You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, and that, of course, means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White, at RW3 on Twitter. You can find him at Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter, and, of course, you can follow all the great content, bloggingtheboys.com and at bloggingtheboys on Twitter and other various social media platforms powered by our good friends at SB nation. It's the doldrums of the off season, Tom. Uh, this is the time when the news is scarce, but there's always some creative minds working around the NFL. And thankfully, since it is a 12 month a year business these days, there's always something discussion worthy to be had. And this week, we got another one of those in the form of a PFF look back right now. Pro football focus puts a ton of these out there and it's something that Cowboys fans, in my opinion, should be very mindful of because when we dole out draft grades on draft night or even a year beyond, we truly don't know what any of these players are going to be. So while those draft grades are fun to have an opinion about Tom, they mean Jack squat until the players mm-hmm. get on the field and actually perform. And that's where we find ourselves with this little beauty from PFF. Yes. Uh, PFF went back and looked at the 2020 draft class, I guess, figuring that two seasons was a decent floor of data to be able to figure out how good players are. And they went and redid the first round with players that they felt based upon performance to date should have been in the first round uh many of it much of it is a reshuffle but there are also some real uh surprises because i think one of the guys that they had in the first round actually wasn't drafted until the sixth and i don't recall offhand who that was well i dismissed my little alarm there sorry unbelievable that. tom so unprofessional <laughs> for this podcast that was the alarm us. to make sure i didn't forget you roy uh, <laughs> And I forgot since we were going a little early. Uh, but the um, the Cowboys, it turned out, may have done even better than we thought. For those that don't remember, that was the year that we got C.D. Lamb uh, at 17. And everybody was just remarking about how could he have fallen to 17? Well, PFF is right there because in their redraft, they had him going at pick eight to the Arizona Cardinals who, uh, who actually took a linebacker named Isaiah Simmons. And they were projecting that CD is going to have an even better year this year than he's had so far, because he jumped uh, as uh, about 12 points in their grading scale 
as a rookie to a second year player and which made him eighth among qualifying wide receivers. That's great news with Amari Cooper gone. And, uh, you know, it shows that the Cowboys were incredibly lucky as well as smart to pull the plug on him. And Lamb was actually the first wide receiver that uh, PFF had being drafted in their little alternate universe that I like to say here, you know, the spirit of uh, Dr. Strange and everything. So that was a real play. Well, not exactly. Now, real quickly, right? I, I do want to have a quick sidebar on CD if I could, because he's been sure. a conversation starter this offseason, particularly, as you mentioned, with Amari Cooper on the outs. The expectation is that CD can and will become wide receiver number one, which quite frankly, from a number standpoint, he already was a season ago, both in targets, catches, mm -hmm. yards, uh, and touchdowns. He pretty much led the Cowboys in all of those categories from a receiving standpoint outside of touchdowns, which I believe Dalton Schultz bettered him in. But even still, right, those numbers aside, do we really consider CD to, to be amongst the best 10 wide receivers in the NFL. And I'm like, I want to have that conversation to be fair, right? Cause I am a CD lamb advocate and no one is going to deny or dismiss the fact that at 17 in the 2020 pick, you know, in the 2020 first round of the NFL draft, no one's going to deny that the Cowboys got a steal there. Right. I'm not saying that they didn't, but I am saying, where is CD at this point in his career relative to the best wide receivers in the league? Because well, as a, as a wide receiver one, right. In theory with 32 NFL teams, there should be 32 of those, but I do not believe that to be the case. And usually the threshold has been right around, you know, who's clocking a thousand yards, but even that is somewhat, you know, subjective because some guys get hurt and they might have well had a thousand yard season had they played a full season, things of that nature. Like, let's just go back and forth real quick. A couple of wide receivers that CD may or may yeah. not be in the class of. Well, you know, of course, one of the one of the things we're doing here is we're going off of PFF's conclusions. And some people really like PFF, some people don't. Uh, sometimes their response is based on whether it uh, confirms their priors or not. Well, I'm, a, uh, I'm asking independent of PFF, right? And I'm asking on the whole scale of wide receivers in the NFL, not just the wide receivers that were taken in that draft, right? Because Justin Jefferson was taken above him in, that, in this redraft of PFFs. He was taken above him in real life. And in my estimation, Justin Jefferson – is probably the wide receiver I'd rather have at this point between him and CD lamb. Oh, do you disagree? I'm, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. I did miss that. He was the, the CD was the second one taken off. Yeah. The board. No worries. I mean, easy, yeah. you, but like, I think of, you know, Cooper cup, um, Devonte Adams, Javar chase, Debo Samuel. I don't mm -hmm. consider CD to yet be in that realm. Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, is CD in that caliber of a wide receiver group? And if not, I've just named nine guys that he is not amongst. Any disagreements well, on any of the names I just threw out there? Well, here, here's my thing. I don't spend a lot of time analyzing non-Cowboys players. Uh, you know, I'm just, I just have a tunnel vision focus on that. That's one of the reasons why I like to see what outside 
uh, people that do look at the whole league come up with. And as I said, PFF had him with the eighth highest score based on their criteria. Now, they're very, you know, like they, they close hold how they come up on, on this. And it is all basically based upon trying to come up with objective scores based on guys watching video, which means that it can't be completely objective. Still, I think what they're telling us is maybe CD is closer to that elite level than a lot of people think he is. And now that he is clearly going to be the wide receiver one and probably with a big gap between him and the wide receiver two, at least until Michael Gallup is healthy, uh, you know, he could wind up emerging. This just to me says that, you know, Okay, they they considered him, uh, you know, the second best wide receiver in the draft. Getting him at 17 was a great thing for the Cowboys. And he should have gone higher, which I think almost everybody was arguing when it happened. We're all going, how did he manage to slip to the Cowboys? So, you know, they, they did very well there. What surprised me with this was, of course, with C.D. Lamb off the board, they had to come up with another name for the Cowboys to pick at 17. That name kind of floored me because they had him taking Trayvon Diggs, who they wound up taking for real in the second round. Now, there, there, were, there was word that the Cowboys had Trayvon as a first-round grade and that had C.D. not been there, they would have taken him at 17, this says to me that that maybe that was accurate. Maybe that was right. Maybe the Cowboys had that board lined up well and then were incredibly lucky in the second round to have a first-round pick still avail- available for them then. Um, it also says that, you know, PFF is, is, you know, when there's a big argument is Trayvon Diggs really that good a cornerback because, oh, he gives up all these yards and oh, he gave up these touchdowns and, oh, well, so what? He got 11 interceptions. Well, PFF obviously takes the stance that 11 interceptions is not a so what. 11 interceptions is an indication there, there's something right there. You know, uh, he actually is making a huge contribution and an interception is one of the absolute biggest things that a, a defensive player can do to change momentum and help his team out uh, because, you know, it immediately, uh, you know, just not only turns the ball over, but in many cases it even uh, gets them down the field, increases their field position, and on in some occasions you get that magical pick six where it's a sudden – from, okay, we're trying to stop the other team to, oh, here's six points. And so I think that is not something that we should sneer at. Uh, and I think that uh, it's, it's, it's always a little reaffirming to see somebody who doesn't have an ax to grind in it the way that a lot of people that discuss the Cowboys do, uh, you know, because there, there's, there's basically two people that get involved in discussing them on social media. Uh, Cowboys fans and Cowboys detractors. And a lot of what we see, if, if you're on social media and following things, you get a lot of blowback from other teams that are in the NFC East or their fan base. 
because they are looking for anything to cut the Cowboys down about. So to me, this was a, a very, very positive sign to develop. Without question. Uh, and PFF themselves actually released an article not too long ago grading Trayvon Diggs as the highest graded cornerback in 2021 in press coverage. Right. Yeah. You, you probably would think that, oh, it's probably press coverage that got Trayvon in trouble. Maybe, you know, his eyes in the backfield trying to read the quarterback or just getting too much in a guy's grill and them shaking him off. And no, that wasn't the case. Right. He's been physical. Um, some of that I'd probably attribute to, you know, scheme failures in some cases, not to put it all on Dan Quinn. But I, I tend to lean on the side that PFF is that 11 interceptions is not a fluke. Right now, 11 in a season might might be an outlier, but it's not a fluke. Yeah. Right. It might be an outlier, but it's not a fluke. Yeah. We'll have to see how he comes back uh, this season, which is his third year. So that does offer the hope that he's still an improving player because, you know, let's be real rookies. In most cases, it takes them two or three years to really get to their best level. And then hopefully they can stay there for several years before they have a decline. Uh, so I think that that is a, a really positive sign for, for uh, Diggs and for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, and overall, when you're looking at this whole thing, it says the Cowboys did one of the best jobs drafting that year of, of just about any team, uh, you know, cause they got two first round, level talents out of it with their first and their second round pick just because partly because of how things fell. And I think in the case of Diggs, maybe because they did a little bit better job scouting than other people, because there were a lot of people that had to pass on him for, for the Cowboys to be able to get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you added two pro bowl talents and granted the pro bowl is a little bit overhyped these days, but I mean, they are legitimately in that category and earning that right. And did earn that right a season ago. So um, I, I absolutely agree. Even though the rest of the Cowboys draft that season didn't seem to produce a whole lot. Uh, Neville Gallimore well, is on that list. It could become something, but quite honestly, injuries have held him back to a. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we saw some of his potential potential late in the season when he was finally healthy. So if his health holds out, there may be something there. And you were going to mention the other name, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, Bradley and I, I well, the, the names that I'm, you know, not so interested in, right? Bradley and I, Ben Danucci, like, why are they still hanging around here? Or what will they eventually do to make me care? But uh, yeah, if yeah, and I's long gone along with Reggie Robinson, too. They did get Tyler Biotish, who was the starter at center last year, but by default, though, um, by default, yeah, kind of by default. And a lot of people aren't that satisfied with him. And it's going to be interesting to see how firm his grip on the starting job is when training camp rolls around. So, uh, but if you step back, if you got four players in a draft, that two seasons later, in because last year, all four of those players started at least some games. Uh, Biotish started every game at center. Then Diggs and Lamb started every game. And then when Gallimore got healthy, he was into the starting lineup. 
that's a good haul for just about any draft. So uh, given the fact that they did have some misses, um, you know, it still overall is pretty decent. If you can get four quality players that are going to be starters out of every draft, you can recycle your roster along with, you know, you, you, you might have to use some free agents or get lucky with some UDFAs. And, you know, we know Dallas doesn't rely on free agency very much, but it, it does show that the Cowboys are doing something right. And then, you know, they came back next uh, last season and of course got the, one of the best picks in the draft in Michael Parsons. So it's, you know, we, we need at this point while we're trying to look forward uh, you know, we need to have, we need to be hoping that they got this last draft, right? Because frankly, they seem to be depending on maybe three or four of these guys coming in and, and being able to contend for starting spots, or at least get a lot of reps right off the bat. And so hopefully they manage to have a good batting average in those first four rounds. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of hope and Jerry's already begun to sell it saying that the offensive line looks uh, pretty optimistic or reasons to be optimistic about it. Granted, the reports about Tyler Smith in minicamp were pretty exciting. I give you that. Yeah. But let's see what he does out there on an NFL field against yeah. actual The NFL operative term. Gotta, but, sorry? Yeah, the operative term being there, it was minicamp. And they don't have a whole lot going on now. Bingo. Being and, Cowboys fans. Yeah. We can't help but take a peek at what our NFC East rivals did in the draft. And it's pretty clear that the Cowboys were kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the division. Uh, the Washington Commanders, who I think were – that was during the football team era, uh, you know, 
Interesting fact, if you get confused about what to call them, don't worry, uh, elected members of Congress have the same problem. But uh, I'll let everybody connect the dot on that one. <laughs> but they they don't get dinged too hard for having taken Chase Young because he, he had some injury problems, which are unpredictable. Still a quality player. What they get dinged for is that Justin Herbert was right there. They needed a quarterback. Herbert was there, and they went with a defensive end. And if they'd taken Herbert, they would have had to, you know, invest a lot in bringing in Carson Wentz and are now engaged in the annual process teams go through of convincing themselves that somebody in the league convinces themselves that Wentz is indeed the answer. Now, maybe he'll find magic. Maybe he'll turn out to be their answer quarterback. I'm just saying that history doesn't really support that contingent. So they had what can only be considered a blown opportunity uh, that, that they didn't do well on. The Giants didn't make a terrible pick. Uh, they they kind of had to go with a tackle. They picked Andrew Thomas, who looks to be developing to a pretty good tackle. Their, their mistake was that they could have had Tristan Wirfs, who's already proven that he's uh, maybe a better option than than uh, thomas was so they they kind of just get you know they, they get a passing grade that you can't really look at that the team that probably had a real whiff though mm. and you hate to see it oh god i hate it it kills me yeah the philadelphia eagles took wide receiver jalen rager and that was with jefferson Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, and, you know, you just go on about all these receivers who came into the league and have done much better than, than Rager did. And, you know, I don't want to beat on Rager too much. This is about beating on the Eagles, okay? So we don't want to pick on the player too much. But, but they apparently kind of didn't get this one right. And it is amusing to remember, um, excuse me, back when the draft happened, they were bemoaning the fact that C.D. Lamb got to the Cowboys, and I think they were hoping that he was going to get to them, at least their fan base was. So, you know, it's always it's always good when you're going through something to, to have something you can pick on the rivals about. No question about it. And, uh, you know, they tried to do the same type of thing with us. They thought we would have loved to see a tight end, I think, during the uh, Dallas Goddard draft. And they were real excited about that. The difference is Cowboys fans really didn't and never cared about that in particular, but they tried to throw it back in our face. This one felt a little bit more real because you knew how badly they needed a wide receiver and, uh, and how, how they still, well, no, I guess they don't really need them now, now that they got Devontae yeah. and AJ Brown, who remember is coming to the NFC East this season. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, they could have done, they could have fixed it on a rookie contract now, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's, it's just, um, there's ways to recover, but it's, it's, you know, they, they, they it's hard to argue. They didn't pick the, the guy that they should have when they, they were in, on the clock in the first round in 2020. So, uh, as I said, this is, this hopefully is going to pay out, pan out for the Cowboys. And 
that it kind of has, right? To, I mean, it kind of has been. Uh, this already has. But somewhat I'm of a representation about, of the last two seasons and now the Cowboys and the success that they've had. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at it. Ago, yeah, I was looking at it in terms of uh, the, the Cowboys having the ability to draft well, and we're, we're banking on that again. Uh, so if they can hopefully keep their batting average up, then, you know, maybe things will go all right. Uh, still, I think we still, at this point, though, we still have to say that the perception is that the talent level in Dallas is not what it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's all going to, we're all going to see how, how this all plays out. And, you know, we have to, to, to hope that Tyler Smith and uh, Sam Williams, um, you know, and um, Jalen Colbert are going to work out, you know. So, you know, it's it's summertime, and we're we're hoping we get us some blockbuster hits out of these guys. Yeah, boy, we think, uh, man, that's that's a fun little segue, sir. And we maybe I think we may I may save that right. I may save that because we got more uh, four more weeks to go before we get to, uh, to training yeah. camp. But on that note, right. You, you mentioned those three guys. Like I actually, that's a curious conversation, right? We're talking about them having one of the best drafts in the league in 2020 by getting two guys that wound up being significant contributors from the first and second round. And yet here we are, and we're naming three from this draft with expectations to contribute. It's, in truth, it's not really a realistic expectation to think that all three of those guys are going to be ready to go in 2022, right? I mean, I yeah, think it, we would probably have to have an honest conversation and say, you've got to pick one that's going to fall flat. Who's it going yeah. to be? Yeah, just just the law of averages says that the Cowboys shouldn't hit on, on all of these picks. Um, you know, and frankly – you know, it, it, it just it seems a stretch saying that they're going to get three impact players like that. And yet you're banking on Tyler Smith to come in and be your starting left guard. That still seems to be the plan. Um, I, I saw I saw an, uh, a discussion earlier uh, that, you know, Connor McGovern may be harder to root out as the starter than people think he he is going to be. Um, I'm, you know, I, I have my doubts about that, but you know, we will see. Um, Sam Williams actually kind of intrigues me as the guy that may have the best chance of being a real surprise. Uh, even beyond what the Cowboys are hoping for from him. Okay, let's uh, get into that because I'm glad you mentioned him because if I had to pick one of the three, I'd say it's Sam Williams who's most likely not to be a significant contributor in 2022, right? And I really just base that off of offensive guys have a much higher likelihood of being able to come in and, and give you something. And I certainly think based on what we've seen from rookie wide receivers, like it's not at all a stretch to think that if Jalen Tolbert has anything, he can contribute early on on this season. And Tyler Smith, I mean, is going to be thrust into that role from the jump. Sam may not get that opportunity unless he earns it out of training camp to begin with. Yeah, And then and, he's still got to continue to earn more. And as you've, uh, you know, as, as you can look at the roster and see, 
He's got a lot more competition for the way job. more, you know. Yeah, they've got uh, you know, they got Dorrance Armstrong, uh, Chauncey Golston, who maybe you know, may need some discussion as the cowboy most likely to surprise everyone. Uh, I think that guy's got some talent that they were just beginning to tap into late in the season last year. Um, you still have Terrell Basham. Added who, Dante uh, Fowler. Yeah, they added Dante Fowler. Terrell Basham was just quietly kind of competent, you know, and it, he's still a seasoned veteran, and it's going to, you know, take something to to move ahead of him now. There, there, of course, there's no question Sam Williams makes the team, but it becomes how are the snaps allocated? Who go comes in to, to relieve Demarcus Lawrence? You know, because it's going to be one of those four guys when Lawrence needs a breather, and the Cowboys haven't shown a propensity to keep one guy out there for every snap. Uh, they they rotate their defensive linemen to keep fresh legs out there. So, I you know I you know. You're coming at it, I think, a bit from that aspect. I'm just – there's some intriguing things about what Williams brings in his ability uh, and also in, you know, some people were comparing his, how he works uh, because he played a lot out of position as a, you know, like a five-tech <clears throat> where he was having to take on the, the lineman. And they mentioned the fact that Randy Gregory – last year the guy who Williams is seen as replacing in the roster he sometimes would actually rush himself out of the play especially on running plays he'd get too deep and they'd be able to cut you know inside of him so I just I'm just curious to see how Williams works out and I'm hoping he does well because I want the Cowboys to win I, you know, I'm, my, my wait and see attitude is not that I don't want to see it. It's that you're going to have to prove stuff to me this year. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, you know, like I said, I think, I think Goldstone is definitely going to be in the mix uh, in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. If they only keep five defensive ends, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to – not make it, and it could be Dante Fowler. Uh, you know, they like their own guys, and I'm just not sure who else they they bump for him if I'm doing the math right in my head, counting up the right number of positions. Keep so a pin in that it. opinion. Keep a pin on yeah. that one because uh, – Well, I've already written an article about it. I think it would be – it's entirely within the realm of possibilities when the Cowboys roll out of uh, training camp as long as they don't sign some more free agents between now and then the Cowboys could go into the season without a single free agent signee from the, from this off season on the roster. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Nall, I think is really at risk just because he's a fullback. The Cowboys didn't carry a fullback last year. Um, and James Washington, you know, he, he, his, his whole situation kind of will be told by whether his lack of production the past couple of seasons was because of Ben Roethlisberger or because Washington wasn't doing a very good job. You know, we'll find that out. But, you know, 
it's going to be interesting. Washington could make it, though, just because of numbers, and they've got a lot of real inexperienced guys contending to fill in at least until Gallup gets back. So we'll have to find out, I guess. Well, we will find out, of course, in just under five weeks when the Cowboys head out to Oxnard, California. July 27th will be their first open to the public practice. And, of course, Blogging the Boys will have round-the-clock coverage, covering it like nobody else around the country as we get you involved and informed on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we got lots more fun content coming your way over the next couple of weeks. Just because there's not Cowboys news coming doesn't mean Tom and I aren't whipping up great content for you. And just as a preview of that, right, um, Tom snuck in there a blockbuster preview. What Cowboys players are you looking forward to like you're looking forward to a summer blockbuster? And I've got a couple of comps for you. Tom has come up with a couple as well that we'll introduce on a upcoming podcast, as well as are there still some guys that the Cowboys should be spending some money on in their own building? Because I think as we look back a year prior to 2020, the guys that were drafted in 2019 may be due for a big payday, at least one we know of in Dalton Schultz. Is it time to start doling out some of that money before it costs you more? at the end of next season. So all that's coming yeah. over for you. I can't wait to talk about it with you, Tom. Yeah, it would be nice to see the Cowboys go with the idea of let's spend some now so it doesn't become more next year. You're allowed to be proactive. Now it's a risk too, right? It's a risk. If these guys get hurt, then you basically may have oversigned a guy who next season off of an injury might be a much cheaper one-year version, but – that's the risk you run, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Cowboys take a couple. We'll dive into that, right, whether or not it's worth it. Give us your thoughts at RW3 on Twitter. You can hit me up. You can hit Tom up at Tom BTB. You can follow all the great content at Blogging the Boys, of course, powered by our friends at SB Nation. But for Tom, I'm Roy. Stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we'll see you next Thursday. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.